Uh, good morning. Welcome to Mount Olive. So glad you joined us today. Those of you in the building and those of you online and in the chapel and listening online, so glad you joined us this Christmas season. You know, every uh, year around this time of year, uh, the story of Christmas is told time and time and time again. Every year at this time of year, the story of Jesus is told all around the world, often in different ways and different formats, uh, but the story of Jesus is told. In the Western world, we pretty much can't get away from it. I mean, even if you were to kind of lock yourself out in your room all Christmas season and only listen to the radio, you'd probably hear things about a starry night, a town called Bethlehem, some shepherds and some angels and some wise men, and you'd hear about a baby that was born and a baby that was placed in a manger. And the story of Jesus is just told in so many different formats in so many different ways. It's almost hard to get away from it in a, in a sense. And I think because of that, the story can become mundane and we can miss out on the significance of what happened at Christmas. And so over the last, uh, last week today and, and our uh, Christmas Eve service, uh, we're diving into the Christmas story, but focusing uh, through three different lenses, looking at the Christmas story through these three lenses, and not just specifically the Christmas story, but specifically the person, the babe in a manger, the person of Jesus. And we're looking through these three lenses. Jesus is prophet, Jesus is priest, and Jesus is king. <clears throat> now, last week we talked about prophet. What does it mean Jesus is priest? Now, most of us don't really hear the word priest a whole lot. It's kind of distant from us. Maybe we see things on television or that show where there's that priest, or maybe if you grew up Catholic or Anglican or, you know, there was a priest, um, but we were kind of removed from the idea of priest. And even our version of priest uh, is, is probably we kind of think of priest as a, as a pastor or a minister. But in ancient times, for the Hebrew people, the, the term priest had a very specific role and a very specific function that was different from prophet. Now, prophets, as we saw last week, prophets represent God to the people. And when Jesus came, that babe in a manger was so much more than just a babe in a manger because Jesus came as not a prophet to represent God to us. He came as the prophet, the exact representation of God to us. And we get all kinds of ideas of who God is and what God is like. And, you know, people read the Old Testament only and they're like, God is an angry God and he's just killing people all the time. We're like, what is God like? And Jesus comes along and he says, if you want to know what God is like, look at me. And the unseen God became seen. The invisible God to humanity became visible to each of us. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the exact representation of God to us. So if that's what prophets do, they represent God to the people, and Jesus came to represent exactly who God is to us, what is it that priests do? Well, to describe for you what priests did and what it means that Jesus came as priest, I want to describe it to you in a felt need. We've all felt this need. At some point in your life, there's been a moment where uh, you, you know, did something wrong, you got in trouble, and you faced the authority, the person who had the authority and probably the responsibility to punish you, and you knew there was a gap between who you were and what you should have been, uh, and you had this felt need. And the felt need was this. We've all needed someone better than us to represent us, right? In that moment, it's like, I just need someone better than me to represent me because I'm not quite good enough. 
And you probably felt this as a young kid, right? If you grew up in a family where there, you weren't an only child, undoubtedly at some point you said some things to your sibling you shouldn't have said. You used your hands on your sibling in ways you shouldn't use your hands, right? You hit them or you stole a toy or you lied or something. And eventually they told mom or dad and the person who has authority to punish you and not only the authority to punish you, they have the responsibility as well to punish you showed up. And here's the thing about justice. We all want justice, right? We see injustice and we're like, where's the justice until justice comes to us? And then we're like, we don't want justice. We don't want justice for us. And yet that person had the authority and the responsibility to bring, you know, your justice to you. And in that moment, as an eight-year-old, you didn't think these words, but you were thinking, I just really need a priest right now, right? I need someone better than me to represent me because there's a gap between who I am and what I should be and I'm not enough and I'm gonna face this punishment. And that has happened over and over in your life, hasn't it? Right? You got caught red-handed for cheating on a test and your teacher and you're like, man, I, I tried to you know, deflect and blame and, and point the light and, and deflect the light somewhere else but the light was shining on you and you got caught. This happened with your spouse with your parents, with your teacher, with your boss, and suddenly the light shines on you and we do all we can to deflect the light. But inside we know we weren't enough. And inside we know we need someone better than us to represent us, to make up the gap between who we are and what we should have been. So if prophets represent God to the people, priests represent the people before God. And when Jesus came as priest, he came to represent us before God, our Heavenly Father, to make up the gap that we could not make up. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Hebrews, near the end of your Bibles. Um, the book of Hebrews, and the writer of Hebrews kind of gives us this definition, Hebrews chapter 5, and we're going to be in Hebrews a lot today, so just find Hebrews. Uh, here's what, how he defines what a priest did, and in essence, he says this, every high priest is selected from among the people and is appointed to what? Represent the people. That's what priests did. They represent the people specifically in matters related to God, and there was two parts, part A and part B, that were primary for the, for the priests. Part A, to offer gifts, and part B, to offer sacrifices for sins, all on behalf of the people. The gifts was, there was these thank offerings and praise offerings that the, the nation of Israel would give to God, and the priest would give those offerings on the behalf of the people to God. He would represent the, the, the thankful hearts of the people and present these gifts to God, but also in regards to sacrifices. Now, we're removed from the sacrificial system, but uh, because sin always ends in death, the payment of sin is death. God in his mercy had set up the sacrificial system, and it's weird for us when we hear this, but in essence, the priest would offer a bull or a lamb uh, to pay for or cover over the sins of the people. And we think it's strange, but literally, this was an act of mercy. And, and let's just be honest. If you stood before God, you and a, and, a, and a lamb stood before God and God's like, okay, you've, you know, done some wrong things. It's your blood or the lamb's blood. Which blood do you choose every time? 
the lamb, right? I mean, we, we, don't, we don't necessarily live in that era, but we can appreciate this was an act of mercy. It's like, someone's gonna die, take the lamb. Lord, just take the lamb, right? I don't wanna die for what I've done. And this is what was the role of the priest. The priest represented the people before God. Well, the writer of Hebrews, if you back up a few verses, you're in chapter five, go to chapter four, verse 13, and he's gonna kind of tease out for us what the role of the priest was and why it is so significant that Jesus was, so, was not just a babe in a manger, he is our priest. And then the writer ends with one important, and there's so many applications of this truth, but he ends with one application that I wanna leave with each of us as well. So starting in verse 13. He writes, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. That's an amazing thought, isn't it? It's an unbelievable thought. Nothing in all creation, nothing that is in existence is hidden from God's sight. This is an amazingly comforting thought. Because every time you have this feeling that says, God, am I alone? God, does anyone see my pain? Does anyone know me? The writer of Hebrews says, yes, you are seen. In fact, get this, the very first person in history that we know of that's recorded for us who named God, because in ancient times they didn't have the Old Testament, they didn't, Jesus hadn't come in the flesh yet. Everyone's like, who is the creator? Who, who is this God? They were all trying to figure out who is God and God would show up to people. And every time he showed up to someone, their experience with him, it was commonplace for the person to name God, to give God a name and say, here's how I experienced the God who created all things. And the very first person to name God in history was a slave girl, not even part of the nation of Israel. She was an outsider of all outsiders. Her name was Hagar. She was a slave, an Egyptian slave girl. She had been mistreated, used and abused by her master and her mistress. So she ran from both her master and her mistress. And in that moment, she wondered, is there a God? And if there's a God, does he see my pain? Does he even care about me? And guess who showed up to Hagar? An outsider of all outsiders. God showed up and had this conversation with her. And after she had had this conversation with the God who created all things, she named God, guess what she named him? The God who sees me. She thought she was unseen, that nobody cared. And here's the God who sees me. The writer of Hebrews says, nothing in all creation, not one thing is hidden. From God's life. It's an amazingly comforting thought, but it's amazingly terrifying as well, isn't it? And that's where the writer of Hebrews goes next. He says, everything, not some things, not most, every, everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him, get this, to whom we must give account. <laughs> now, I bet there's some things in your life because this is true of my life. There are some things in your life that have been buried and they were buried on purpose, right? It's like, I don't want anyone to ever know. I don't want anyone to ever see what I did, what I said. I mean, you buried those things on purpose. It wasn't so that someone could grab a shovel and dig it back up. It's like, that's been buried. I want it to be forgotten. And yet, guess what? God sees everything. 
everything. Now imagine this. Imagine having to lay bare everything in your life, all the things you have ever said, all the things you've ever done. Now get this. Even the thoughts that no one sees and no one knows, the intentions of your heart, imagine laying them bare before the few hundred people of this church. I mean, that would be intimidating, right? But at least we would have the consolation to know, well, most of the things I've done and most of the things I've said and most of the things I've thought are not all that different than how the person beside me has thought and said and done. But imagine now laying all of that before a God who is perfectly holy and perfectly just, which means this, he cannot be in the vicinity of sin. And on top of that, he not only has the authority, he has the responsibility to judge and condemn and punish sin. I mean, it goes back to what I said about justice earlier. We all love justice, right? When there isn't justice, we all cry out, where is the justice in the world until justice comes for us? And if that was true, if this is true, if everything about me is uncovered and laid bare before the God who is not only uh, has the authority but has the responsibility to condemn and judge and punish sin, (laughs) there is no hope for me, and there's no hope for you. We are hopeless. If ever there was a time when we needed someone better than us to represent us, isn't it now? And this is what the writer of Hebrews has been talking about. In fact, two chapters earlier, he said this exact thing. Check it out. He says in chapter two, he says, for this reason, he, that's Jesus, had to be made like them. He's talking about humanity for this reason, because we needed someone better than us to represent us. He became human, fully human in every way in order, why? That he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service, in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. See, Jesus had to be human. Jesus, who was God, he became fully human so that he could be our representative, your representative for the gap that's between who you are and what you should be before the one to whom we must all give account. He was fully human so that he could represent us. And here's the amazing thing about Jesus as our priest, that babe in a manger who is so much more than a babe than just a babe in a manger. Jesus is not only our priest, he is also the sacrifice. Jesus as priest made the sacrifice and he was the sacrifice. He is both the perfect priest and the perfect lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So that he as priest might make atonement with his own blood Atonement means to cover over, that he covered over. All the things that were laid bare that that condemned us have been covered over and they're not seen anymore. They've been forgiven. Made atonement for the sins of the people. But Jesus was not only fully human, and this is so, so important. A chapter earlier, the writer of Hebrews says this, the son, Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things 
by his powerful word, which means this. Jesus is both fully human and he came as fully God. It's why in the Christmas story, there's this unique piece that we find so hard to believe and we wrestle with, which says that Mary was a virgin and the Holy Spirit came upon her. The virgin birth made possible the fact that Jesus could come as fully human. He was from Mary, but he was fully God. He was conceived of the Holy Spirit. And for many of us, we wrestle with that, like, does it matter that Jesus was fully God and man? Do I actually have to believe it? It's just hard to believe that there is a a physical human being that's fully God and fully man. How does that even make sense? And here's why this is so important. And this kind of just uh, unwraps a little bit of what we've been reading in Hebrews. Jesus had to be fully human so that he could be our merciful representative. He had to be human because only a human could represent humans. And so Jesus, because we needed someone better than us to fill in the gap, God sent his son to become flesh and blood like us so that he could represent us, be a merciful representative. But Jesus had to be divine, God as well, to be our payment and our perfect representative. See, one human might be able to die for the sins of one other human, but what human could die for the sins of all humanity? Only a perfect one. Only God could make that kind of payment. So God said, I will. I will become human. And Jesus became flesh so that he could be not only our payment, but so that he could be our perfect representative. Because if Jesus was not perfect and only God is perfect, then we have someone stepping into the gap who might be better than us, but they're no better than us because they can't fill the gap between us and God. And so he had to be fully God and fully man. That's why the writer of Hebrews writes, for this reason, he had to be made like them. He's already said he was God, but now he says he was fully human in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. This is why the writer says, although this could be a terrifying thought that everything that has been hidden has, and was, has now be, been laid bare, God sees it all, and it could be a terrifying thought, but everything has changed because Jesus showed up as your high priest. And that's where he goes next. He says, therefore, since this is all true, since we have a high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Since Jesus is fully God and fully man and he came as our high priest and he's at the right hand of the father representing us before the father God, we should hold on to our faith because it's our only hope. We can't make up the gap. Hold on to your faith. He goes on and says, for we, We do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. We have a high priest who's human and can empathize with us. He understands our weaknesses. When you say, God, do you see me? God, do you even know? He's like, yes, I've been in your shoes. He can empathize but he's perfect. He can be our perfect representative. And here's the outcome of all this amazingly good truth. And here's where the writer of Hebrews says, here's the application. He could have gone so many different directions, but here's the one thing he leaves with his readers. And here's the one thing I want to leave with you this Christmas as you think about the babe in a manger who is your high priest. He says this, let us then 
approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Let us then approach God's throne. Here's, here's the one thing about God that many of us have completely misunderstood. We have this picture of God that he is this unapproachable being. And I think one of the reasons we think God is unapproachable because we have this thought, if, if God knows things about me that I know about me, I would never accept me if I were him, so why would he accept me? And here's the thing about God, and this is the amazing truth about God. God is nothing like you. And God is not like me. He is way better than you. And he's way better than me. And God, in his mercy and grace, who is unapproachable, not because of him, he's unapproachable because of our sin, has become approachable in the babe in a manger, in the person of Jesus, who was our payment, our high priest, who made up the gap between us and God. God has become approachable. So he says, approach him. Approach him with confidence, not your own confidence because you can't make up the gap because where have you placed your faith? He says, hold firmly to the faith you have professed, your faith in Jesus. And because of Jesus, you have confidence. He's your high priest. So in Jesus, you approach God's throne. And then he says, and when you do, you may receive mercy and you may find grace to help you in the things you need. Mercy is this. Mercy is not getting what you deserve and what you have earned. Mercy is saying, I, have, I deserve punishment and I have earned punishment. And as you approach God's throne through the person of Jesus, your high priest, you do not get what you have earned and what you deserve. You are not condemned. You receive mercy, but you also receive grace. If mercy is not getting what we deserve, grace is getting the very things we don't deserve and the things we could not earn. Mercy is not getting the punishment we have earned and deserve. Grace is getting the gift of God, which we did not earn and would never be able to deserve. It is gift upon gift, unearned, unmerited favor that God gives. And in Jesus, we don't get the punishment we deserve, and we get all kinds of gifts and grace that we could never earn and do not deserve. See, through Jesus, you have an approachable heavenly father. Through Jesus, the God who we could have never approached, he was unapproachable, not because of him, but because of our sin. Through Jesus, our high priest, he has now become approachable, and it is through him that we find the help that we need. So this Christmas, I want to ask you a question. As you think about Jesus, that babe in a manger, who's so much more than just a babe, in a manger. What gifts of God are you currently forfeiting because you're not approaching God's throne of grace with confidence through the person of Jesus? What are you currently forfeiting that God is saying, I offer this to you, that you're missing out on simply because you're not approaching God's throne of grace through the person of Jesus, your high priest? See, Jesus said this, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one approaches the Father but through me. There is one way we approach the Father. No one can come to him except through me. And I want to ask you this Christmas, what are you missing out on? What are you not receiving from Jesus? What are you not receiving from God, your heavenly Father? Because you will not come to him through the person of Jesus. 
In Acts chapter 2, verse 21, we're told that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord is saved. Anyone who calls out to Jesus is saved. God becomes approachable because of, because of Jesus. So I want to ask you this Christmas, maybe you've heard the story of Christmas over and over and you hear about Jesus and the shepherds and the wise men and, and, and God showed up in, in the flesh, but you've never put your faith in the person of Jesus and you're missing out on grace, on eternal life that could be yours. I want to invite you this Christmas, Christmas 2022, where everything changes for you. That this Christmas, you come to your heavenly Father and you approach him the only way that we can approach him. And you place your faith in Jesus. Maybe, I don't, there's something lit up in me and I wanna, I wanna receive Jesus. What does it look like to put my faith in Jesus? It's simply this, admit you're a sinner. You come before God and say, I can't earn it. I don't deserve it. I am not right. There is a gap between you and I and it's all on me. God, I'm a sinner but I put my faith in my high priest, Jesus. I believe in Jesus. I call out on your name as my savior. And then you commit your life to following him. You admit you're a sinner. You believe in Jesus as your savior. And then you commit your life to following him. And that's what we're gonna talk about next week when we talk about Jesus as king. You give your life to him and place it in his hands. What are you missing out? What gift of God are you missing out right now? because you've refused to come to him through the person of Jesus, your high priest. I wanna ask this in another way. For those of you who maybe say, well, I've, I've accepted Jesus. I, he is my high priest. I believe he's my savior. But I ask you this, what gifts, grace upon grace upon grace, are you forfeiting? Because you're not approaching your heavenly father with confidence in the person of Jesus. You know, the brother of Jesus said this. He says, you don't have because you don't ask God. And I wonder if there's all kinds of things that God says, hey, I've got some gifts. For you. I've got things for you. Would you just come to me and ask? Would you approach me through Jesus, your high priest? And James says, you don't have because you don't ask. And what are you forfeiting? What are you missing out on maybe simply because you're not asking? And, and I was thinking through, what are some of the reasons we don't ask? I think maybe, maybe for you, it's just neglect, right? It's like, I just, I haven't prayed in weeks. I just never ask God for things. Maybe, you know, when I'm like at the end of my rope and I've tried everything, I might ask God for something, but it's just, it's not, it's not part of my life to come before God and ask, and I wonder for those of us who haven't made that part of it, what are we missing out on? As James says, you don't have because you don't ask. You just forget and got busy and you neglected approaching your heavenly father. Maybe for others of you, you don't ask because you're filled with shame. And although you receive Jesus as your high priest, you've forgotten that he's still your high priest. And you look at all the things you've done, you say, I can't approach God. I gotta fix my life first. And your heavenly father is saying, why don't you come to me through Christ and approach my throne? I know what you've done. I know more what you've done than you know what you've done. But come to me in confidence because of your faith in Jesus, your high priest. Maybe you haven't approached God's throne because of, because of shame. Maybe a third reason you haven't approached God's throne is not because of neglect or shame, but simply uh, you just... You've forgotten. You just had other things that were more important. 
God's saying, why don't you come to me through Jesus? Why don't you come through me, through, my, through your high priest? Well, in the context of James, he says, you don't have because you don't ask God. And he says, sometimes you don't receive. And when you ask, you do not receive because when you, uh, you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Just because we ask doesn't mean that God will give us everything we ask for. Uh, you know, there's things I ask for that I'm like, God, I think it'd be really good if, you know, you kind of send a million dollars my way, right? It's like, that'd be good for me. And God, my heavenly father so far has saw it fit to say, I don't think that's good for you. And I don't understand why. I don't, I don't see what he's seen that I'm not seeing. But we can trust our heavenly father who gives good gifts, right? When, when James says this, he's not saying, well, don't ask because maybe you have the wrong motive. He's just saying, when you don't receive, don't get mad at God. Maybe your motive was wrong. You can check your motives. But he never says, don't ask. He says, you don't have because you don't ask. And as you ask, maybe sometimes you have some wrong motives and maybe sometimes you ask for the wrong stuff. God can figure that out. And he'll give you what you really need. And then you accept it. See, through Jesus, you have an approachable heavenly father who gives you the help you need. So this Christmas, as you enter Christmas 2022, and you think about Jesus as the prophet, the prophet, and God, the invisible one, has now become known to us. He not only became known to us, God, the unapproachable one, has become approachable because we have a high priest, and he came as a babe in a manger. He was fully human. He was fully God. And through him, we're invited to approach God's throne. And he will give us grace upon grace. Let me pray with you. Father, thank you for the truth of your word. And Father, as this truth that we've read in Hebrews, your word lands on us in different places, in different ways. For some of us, we've never taken that step. We've heard the story time and time and time again. And we've never approached your throne through the person of Jesus that today this season would be our salvation day, the season when we become children of God. And Father, for those of us who have neglected, maybe because of busyness, we just forget, and we just, we're missing out on things that you're saying, I'm holding these and I want to give them. Would you just come and ask? Father, may we increase the ask quotient of our lives because you've invited us in. Jesus came as our high priest. For others of us that are filled with shame, God, God, thank you that you have removed, you have removed the punishment that should be ours because, Jesus, you took it upon yourself. And Father, those of us that, that feel that shame, Father, would you take that away? Would you remind us that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ? Father, this Christmas, we want to praise you that not only you, are you known, but you have also become approachable. And may we, as your people, approach you. And thank you for the gifts that you have already promised and you long to give. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We trust you have been encouraged and challenged in your faith journey. If you're desiring prayer, want more information on our church, want to partner with us or be involved in any way, please go to our website at mountoliveefc.com. We'll see you next time.